You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to episode number 38 of the Savvy Social Podcast. So excited to have you here. How's your year going so far? We're about to go into quarter two of 2019. The time this episode comes out, just want to check in with you and see how things are going with your business, with your podcast, with your social. Feel free to DM me on Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, wherever you hang out. I'd love to chat about how things are going. I'm at OnlineDrea everywhere. Today's episode is brought to you by Social Report, which is the world's most complete social media marketing tool. And it's my social media marketing tool of choice. My team and I love using Social Report, and we'd love for you to try it out for yourself for free. It's a 30-day trial. Just see how you like it. Um, And a great way to support the show is just to click the link that's in the show notes that just lets Social Report know that we sent you their way. They've been a great sponsor for our show this year. All right, so today's episode is with Shauna. Shauna is a growth consultant for startups and small businesses working closely with brand leaders to strategize for impact while guiding them on execution and accountability. She acted as a part-time CMO for brands looking to scale. As a vocal advocate for women in business, Shauna is on a mission to redefine what it looks like to be a working woman, a mission that is led to the founding of her brand, Making Moxie, which is an online publication and community for female entrepreneurs. And I'm actually a contributor to Making Moxie. So if you head on over to the website, which I'll put in the show notes as well, you can check out some of the articles that I've written on there. Uh, All right, well, let's just actually dive right into this interview. We're going to talk all about building a strong social media network. Hi, Shauna. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're here, and I kind of want to just start right at the beginning. So can you tell us um, how you got into marketing? I got into marketing uh, by accident, actually. I originally went to school to be a teacher, and I failed my first teacher exam, and I was really, really feeling terrible about it, and it it killed my confidence. I didn't want to go back and take the exam again. I ended up subbing uh, in classrooms and went back to school and got a degree in professional writing. Now, nobody knows what that means, but the reason I did professional writing is because I wanted to have options. I did business writing, writing for the web, writing for PR, technical writing, all that fun stuff. And then I graduated in 2011, and if you think back to that time, the economy was down. I had two degrees and absolutely no prospects. So I couldn't land an interview to save my life. And... I started freelance writing and I was writing blogs and and, um, social media and captions for sales pages or product descriptions. And then I actually got hired as a director of content for a, a marketing agency. And then it kind of hit me that all of these things that I had been doing were marketing. (laughs) 
I love that. So it almost took kind of going full circle back to that director of content marketing position for you to realize that the all of these tools that you've been con- collecting over the years were actually a whole skill in and of itself. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then I started digging into marketing and getting HubSpot certified and, you know, just educating myself about the bigger picture about marketing. And I found that I just, I really enjoyed the, the bigger picture and the strategy piece. So I, I still write, but I moved away from the writing par- portion of it and started looking about the bigger picture of how marketing affects businesses. Okay, so let's talk about the transition from working for an agency and having your own business. What was that like, kind of the process? Because I know there are quite a few of my listeners who are in the exact same position. So this is a funny story. I was fired. So I became an entrepreneur, uh, again, by accident. Um, I had left a stable job as an SEO coach with a company to work with a friend of mine who had his own digital marketing agency. And it was great. We were taking on new clients. Everybody was happy in the beginning. And then a couple months in, started hiring new people that we didn't really need um, team-wise. And we started really focusing on our own social media and our own videos and things like that. And really it took away from what we were trying to do for the clients and the clients noticed. So I tried talking to him about these issues and he did not appreciate the feedback. So he ended up letting me go citing it wasn't a very good culture fit. So I had left a good job for this position. And this was actually about three weeks before, before my husband left for deployment. So I had three kids at home. My husband was about to be deployed and I had to decide what I, what, what I do. Would I go back and, and try to find a, a job job or could I do this on my own? And I had been thinking about it for, for a little while when things were going sour in that business relationship. But for me, I'm one of those people that wants to have all their ducks in a row. I want to be prepared. I want to feel really solid about this decision that I was going to make. And I think that this experience showed me that there was going to be no situation where I was going to feel really solid about leaving a job that felt stable, that, you know, paid well to go out on my own. So my advice for any listeners would be that if you know that you're good at what you do, you definitely try to prepare the best that you can, but at some point you have to take that that leap of faith and you have to you really have to bet on on yourself. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. I mean, for a lot of industries, that is true. Whatever you're doing is if you can believe that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing, that doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're with a company or whether you're doing it for yourself. They're both hard. <laughs> it's both mm-hmm. challenging in its own right. So I really like that you kind of touched on that because I feel like there there's this um, kind of like sense right now with entrepreneurs that, oh, it's easy. We're all working from the beach or, you know, we're, you know, working three hours a day. And it's just as hard, <laughs> it's not harder than having a traditional position within a company. I think it can be harder in a lot of a lot of ways because you as an entrepreneur you are everything. 
right? There's no marketing department. There's no HR department. There's no sales department. You're doing everything from your taxes to closing clients to doing your marketing to actually doing the service or doing, you know, creating the product that you create. Uh, it's a lot. And I agree with you. I get so frustrated seeing all these people, you know, on the beaches in Bali. That's not how entrepreneurship works for for most of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And usually, I don't know if this is just me, but I usually think that those people who are out in Bali have like some trust fund or some, you know, right? <laughs> family money or something that's kind of supporting them to get there. Um, so it's not, not everything is what it seems. Um, all right. I've taken, off, off, I've taken us off track. Let's, let's get back on track a little bit. Um, so I want to get to the social media aspect. Um, so you've built quite a nice following for yourself, for your business online. So can you take us through the process that you you go through yourself for um, building up your social media community? I think exactly what you said there, the key word for me is really community. So when I was working for this other company, one of my big roles was doing editorial. So in, instead of just having our team write about marketing, we had other marketers who contributed to the editorial. Um, and that ran from marketing directors at, at different kinds of companies to independent marketers who did it as freelance. Maybe they were um, specialized in social or email automation or, you know, any, any wide range of things. And when I did that, I really created good relationships with the people who were writing. And when I went out on my own, that's one thing that I definitely did not want to give up. So for making Moxie, I still have a lot of contributors. It's not just my voice on there. And I think that's really powerful when it comes to social media is that a lot of people use it as a, a billboard, right? They just, they throw things out there and then they're shocked when nobody is talking back to them because they haven't created that sense of community. So when it comes to social media, I really don't just put content out there. I also really include the people in my community. I share things of theirs. They share things of mine, whether it's an updated website or a piece of their thought leadership from my website. I really work hard to keep that community continually engaged. And then it's, um, it's a domino effect. You know, they share it with their audience and their audience gets involved and learns about making Moxie and it just makes the community bigger over time. Yeah, so you're you're really leveraging who you know, your connections, and all of your communities kind of get to experience the benefits of all of that. And a lot of those connections came from social media, which is the brilliant part, is they weren't just friends from high school or people that I went to college with. They're people who I met in Facebook groups on social media or somebody who actually reached out to me on LinkedIn because they read one of my posts. So uh you know, community is about cultivating those relationships in the long term. And most of those people I actually started my relationships with um, from social media. 
Let's dig in there because we have had over the past couple of episodes, um, a few people talking about the power of Facebook groups. And so I always like to get a fresh perspective on that because I think the danger that we run into as business owners and entrepreneurs is that we come across a Facebook group and we're like, this is great. Everyone should know what I do. We go into the group and we were like, hey, everyone, here I am and here's what I do. And sometimes that's, that's not the best way to get into it. Um, it does take a little bit of relationship building a little bit of value adding. So can you um, tell us how you personally do that when it comes to Facebook groups or you even mentioned LinkedIn? Um, What are some of the ways that you add value and then how do you turn that value into like connections that you can leverage? So I was in a unique position when I started kind of this community outreach because I was an admin in that Facebook group. It was my job to add value to everyone in the group. Um, I really started engaging with people because we were looking for, for people to contribute to the online publication. So that added value in the sense that they could get their thought leadership out there. They may be able to write for some uh, website that has a better ranking than their blog would. Um, and also it created connections among them because then there was kind of an inner circle there. And what I found was really cool is that several people actually went back and were able to use the articles from that blog that they wrote for different opportunities. So they were able to say, hey, I've been published in these places. And then they were asked to do speaking events, um, people that would read certain articles that really resonated with them. So then they had inquiries for clients and things like that based on their own thought leadership. So my best advice for Facebook groups is to, to think of the value you can provide outside of the Facebook group. Yeah, that is so true. Like how can you extend that, make that relationship deeper than just chatting in the Facebook group? Um, So what about LinkedIn? You mentioned that you you write articles or you produce regular content for LinkedIn. Can you talk a little bit more about that? LinkedIn has been really, really interesting for me. I definitely make sure, I don't write specifically for LinkedIn. If I'm writing for the Moxie blog, I make sure that I bring that content over to to LinkedIn Pulse. And a lot of people have read certain pieces of my thought leadership and be like, wow, that really resonates with me or that's a new perspective. And I think that less and less people are actually reading articles on LinkedIn, but a lot of people are looking to engage on LinkedIn and to really have conversations. And unless you're in a Facebook group, you don't really see that anymore. The thing about Facebook groups is that it's very niche. You know, they're, they're targeting entrepreneurs or they're targeting people who manage social media accounts or they're targeting gym owners or whatever the Facebook is, it's very niche. So chances are that you're in there with a lot of your own competition. Where with LinkedIn, it's not that there's not plenty of competition there, but depending on who your connections are, that really changes up who is going to see your content. So when you start engaging and you really get conversations going or you 
are active in a bigger conversation, you never know who is going to see that. You're not just talking to your competition all the time. And I think that can be really a game changer when it comes to finding new clients or making good connections. Can you give us an example of what that would look like? Let's say we're scrolling through our LinkedIn feed and we see a post. What's something that we can write um, that really makes people stop and think or really kind of adds value? Can you give us an example or a piece of advice for how to stand out when there's, you know, maybe a lot of other people commenting or something like that? So it takes time. You know, you don't just start writing things that are controversial and all of a sudden your feed blows up. It really takes time and it takes engaging with other people's accounts so that yours becomes more visible for them. I think that I do try to be on there, but I'm probably not even the best example. There's a gentleman by the name of Adam, and I'm going to butcher his last name, unfortunately. I think it's uh, Karpiak. Uh, He has a recruiting firm And he recruits accountants, I believe, which is so far out of my industry, it's ridiculous. We somehow got connected on LinkedIn. And he, his posts are just so raw and authentic. This is what you shouldn't be doing if you want to get a job. Don't ask me these questions if you haven't done your research first. You know, if you're looking, if you're a company that's looking to hire these people, well, maybe you should call them back within a, a, a reasonable time frame. And he's very raw and authentic about the struggles that he sees on both sides of the business that he experiences. And it just resonates with people. I mean, he has thousands of comments on any of the posts that he does. And I really think that he, his following on LinkedIn has just blown up in the past year because of that authenticity. So a lot of times, value is such a buzzword to me. We're trying to provide value. Everybody wants to provide value to everybody else. And that's how you build a following or build a list. Well, there comes a point where, and maybe not even there comes a point, every market is just so saturated at this point. Whatever value you're trying to provide, somebody else has gotten there first. So everybody has probably said what you have said in regards to your industry or your thought leadership, maybe a different way, but it's all been said before. But when you get on social media and you start authentic conversations that really get people thinking about the industry, get them thinking about their own behavior, that in in and of itself becomes valuable because we learn from each other, we, we see other people that we might want to connect with. Um, So starting real genuine conversations is probably the best way right now to create value on social media. I agree 110%. This is so, so good. And I hope if you're listening to this episode and you get one thing from it, this is it, that you have to be authentic and you have to build connections. It's networking. It's networking online. It's not a billboard. It's not, you know, blasting out all of these things and hoping people, you know, follow you because of it. It's building connections one-to-one and that's so, so important. Um, so let me ask you this. If someone were to come to you today and they're just starting their business and they go, where do I start with my marketing? What's some advice that you would give them? 
The first thing that I would ask before even trying to give advice is what are your goals? Because every company has different goals. And one of the biggest mistakes I see companies make is they jump right in and they're like, okay, well, the first thing I should do is Instagram or the first thing that I should do is start a Facebook group or do a lead magnet and try to build up my email list. You can't just jump in and start doing what you see everybody else doing. You have to figure out how that action is going to directly affect your goals. So for me, my best advice would be to get really clear on your goals and and think about that as not just vanity goals, not to just hit a certain number of followers on social media, but revenue goals. How is this thing that, that I want going to affect my bottom line? Yeah. Oh, such a good place to start figuring out your goals so that you understand what you need to be doing next. I love that. Um, so let's say we figured out our goals and we want to build a community who will buy our digital product. Let's say it's a course. Um, what's some of the actions that we can take to start like attracting the right community members? So I would start online, I would probably start in Facebook groups. And I would start instead of just trying to add value by, you know, doing these great posts and giving tips, I would look out for posts where people are asking questions, and start to be a part of that conversation instead of throwing yourself out there as the expert by offering generic tips, prove yourself to be the expert by getting in on questions that people have and, and showing your expertise. Now, that's just online. I think offline is important, too. I would look to local networking groups, uh, local meetups, and look how you can cultivate community that way. Then once you have these good conversations going, you can very easily and without it feeling spammy, invite people to be on your email list or to join your community. Yeah, yeah, so true. The power of offline. I always think, you know, social media or online marketing is just a really good complement to offline marketing. It's not mm -hmm. a replacement for it necessarily. It definitely can have its own power, but there's still something really powerful about meeting someone in real life, <laughs> so to speak. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. Okay, so we're nearing the end of our um interview here today. And I just have like a random question that I thought of halfway through that I um, probably should have asked earlier, but here we are. Um, where does the, where does your business name come from making Moxie? Like what's, what's the inspiration there? So when I was fired, that was a, that was a tough place to be in. Um, not just like financially, but emotionally, that was a tough place to be in. And I wanted, I knew immediately that I wanted to have the publication. I didn't just want to do marketing for people. I wanted to have this community of women. And the first thing that came to my mind was crave. You know, you, you crave success. You crave the ability to do these things for yourself in life. And a friend of mine talked me off the ledge. She said, it sounds like a food magazine. Nobody's going to get it but you. So we ended up <laughs> jumping on a Skype call. She was in St. Louis. I was in Colorado where I live. We each had wine on each side of our conversation. We opened up thesaurus.com and just looked up different words. 
played with words, like the different meanings of words, and somehow moxie came up. Now, this isn't going to mean anything to a lot of your listeners, but I'm from the state of Maine. And Maine has a soda. Um, it's, it's moxie. That's the soda. And that that really resonated with me because that's where I'm originally from. But to me, moxie is also a very feminine word. I don't know what era it was. It was either the 20s or the 50s. And you hear like, oh, like she had moxie. And it was a way to describe a woman who was sassy, who was ambitious, who was pushing the status quo. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to make that energy in my life and in my business. So, and, and I mean, everybody loves alliteration, right? So we, uh, we came up with making moxie because that's what I want to do. And that's what I'd love to see other women doing in their businesses. I love it. I'm going to start looking up other words from like the twenties and like start bringing them back. Cause I, I kind of like, <laughs> yes. I think we should definitely do that. Awesome. Okay. So I know you've got this awesome, um, marketing audit. Can you tell us about this? Sure. I wanted to have something that was free for people, but also comprehensive. Like it's not a checklist. It's not um, just this, you know, thing that you read through uh, like a white paper or something. I know that a lot of small business owners can't afford help when it comes to their marketing. You know, their budget can only be stretched so thin. So they have to be able to do it themselves, but trying to, trying to, sort through all of the noise online when it comes to finding the right custom advice for your business is really tough. So the small business marketing audit is designed to give you a chance to work through some of these key components of your marketing strategy. So you can think critically about it and figure out how you can do it on your own without having to hire support. And hopefully that critical thinking will help you narrow down strategies and you can pick a couple core strategies to work on to, to get your, your marketing kickstarted. Oh, great. So everyone go grab the small business marketing audit. The link will be in the show notes. I think it'll give you a good starting place for um, kind of just checking in with your own marketing and seeing how things are going. Um, great. Thanks, Shana. Where can we find you online? How do we connect with you? You can find me at Making Moxie. Obviously, I am there all the time. And on social media, it's at I am making moxie. Awesome. And the links will be in the show notes for everything that we talked about today, including connecting with Shauna. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and everything we talked about, please check out the show notes by visiting SavvySocialPodcast.com. And don't be afraid to continue the conversation. I'd love to have you inside of the Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook or simply go to SavvySocialCrew.com. See you there. Bye for now.